three, two, one. Valverde. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 234. And on this show, we're going to be delivering some fantasy football goo on drafting. It's drafting season. Drafting season's upon us. It's the first thing you do. It's the first step you take to winning a championship. This show is called The Art of Draft. It's a little takeoff of The Art of War. And a Stag Party, who's on the other end of the line with me, and myself, D-Rex, we are going to be talking about drafting and fantasy football heading into the 2016. As you know, this is the uh, Pyro Podcast from pyromaniac.com. And um, I don't know, we're pretty fired up. I'll say this, Stag Party, I know you'll, uh, you'll agree with my sentiments. Neither of us can be in air conditioned or by a fan for the sake of audio. And it is hot as friggin' hell in the Midwest. So if one of us passes out and the show becomes dominated by just one person, it's basically because we're not together. We're doing this through a Zencaster, and uh, one of us passed out from heat exhaustion. Yeah, I mean, if people were taking odds, I'm pretty sure they would be heavily stacked in your favor. Uh, I'd be the one to pass out, so you'd be the king of the hill or whatever they want to call it at the time. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm definitely podcasting without my shirt on. I've got beads of sweat coming down my forehead i've got a dog that's laying down about 15 feet away from me that's even more miserable right now uh, i tried to t- i took her with a dip in the lake right before we recorded so she's better off than me in that regard but let's just do this this is the, this is what we do for our audience the love that we give it's been a couple weeks since we've oh, it's just short of two weeks since we did our last podcast so i'm pretty fired up um to get into drafting because it's a it's really what I work on all off season, and uh, some of the points that we have here uh, collectively as a, as a team, I think is really are really going to help the audience and the pyros that listen to us. And uh, if you're new to us, thank you, welcome aboard. If you've been with us for the last uh, couple of years or four or five years, we love you. Uh, just want to give a shout out to our brother Houdini, who just got married on Saturday. So uh, virtual high fives and chest bumps to our boy. Congratulations. Uh, He's down in Mexico. I spoke with him briefly last night. And uh, he's on his honeymoon. So it's Stag Party and D-Rex holding down the fort for the next couple podcasts. As we've said before, Dogmatic has uh, got a new job, and he's really kind of focusing on that uh, at the moment. So we'll have Houdini back in the mix soon enough. But um, excited to talk fantasy football and give you the knowledge. Uh, you can always listen to the Pyro Podcast Light that Pyromaniac Mo does. He posted a show last night that has Dave T. Thomas, our favorite draft scout, and uh, that guy's just great. They talk about quarterbacks and tight ends from the 2015 uh, or 16, sorry, 2016 draft class, and a lot of good players being mentioned there from a fantasy perspective. So let's get into this uh, show and uh, the art of draft. Essentially, uh, you got to get prepared for draft day, and then uh, these we're going to be giving you effective strategies to do so. Hopefully, you've been working on uh, following the news and following the draft, and and staying uh, keeping your knife sharpened throughout this off season since the Super Bowl, and you're not uh, slacking and, and you're going to do a cram job the night before your draft because that never is the best way to go. But uh, with this information, we're going to give you today, uh, including some what to do while in the draft and draft day 
kind of preparation uh, of the mind and, and body and soul, I think this uh, this show, if you're taking notes at home, do so. Uh, follow these pointers, and you'll walk out of your draft with uh, a super dope team. Yeah, it, just most importantly, preparing could be anything, but depending on how you prepare, you know, some people do it all off season. Some people take a couple of weeks. Some people just think about, you know, what my plan is going in. Am I going to do this is, you know, this season now wide receivers are more prevalent than ever. You know, top three drafts, the top three picks and drafts can be wide receivers sometimes. So, you know, this season's unique, just like all the others. You can't go in with sort of, I'm going to do this, and this is the end all be all. You have to prepare, you know, a multitude of different strategies. Um, you got to learn to swerve when other people are zagging. You got to zig when other people are zagging. You got to do all those things people tell you. Um, but just importantly, do your own thing. Sort of make the team your own. It's your team. If you're going to hate the team you draft, you know, what's the point of doing it? Uh, so th- there's a lot of different things we're going to go over today. So just just overall prepare prepare like you're you know gonna take a test. This is one big test, and then all the other weekly things are sort of weekly assignments. So you know prepare prepare like this is the biggest part. But you know you can get over a bad draft, um, but hopefully you, you won't have that problem. Yeah, and I think in general in life preparation um you know brings you a better result everything no matter what you're doing for your own health if you're running and jogging and working out you're going to be healthier than if you're sitting around and eating potato chips and watching tv on the couch if you're uh in business and you're hungry and you're a salesman and you're hitting the phones and you're doing research and you're uh, checking out your crm calendar and finding out who great uh, matches for your product and your that you could sell to and you're working those angles uh, you're going to probably be a more successful salesman than the guy that's just sitting waiting for calls to come in and uh, sales to all of a sudden appear and in general in life like you said your correlation is a test and preparing and treating these like assignments uh, whether it doesn't matter what you do in life preparation and working hard and being the you know the the proverbial first guy in the in the in the locker room and the first guy in the video room and the last guy to leave uh it it this is no joke it, in life successful people do this you can be an early riser you can be a, a late late night owl it doesn't matter but you've got to, to be effective in life and anything um you know obviously we're focused on fantasy football here but just in general Working hard and working every angle is always going to yield the best results. So let's get into this bad daddy and something you'll hear time and time again from us. And uh, Houdini kind of really brought it to the fray uh, a few seasons ago is know your league. And uh, essentially, I think that that comes in about uh, trickles down from a few different uh, in a few different ways. I think the first way that Houdini and we usually talk about is. You know, know your rule set, right? Stags, you got to know how can you go into a draft if you aren't omniscient and uh, absolutely certain of how every position that you are drafting and how the construction of your team is with how many players it is, how many positions you can start week to week. What are your trading rules and deadlines? What are your uh, pickup rules? Is it waiver wire? Is it fab? Is it auction? Is it the worst guy's worst record gets it automatically? Or is it a, um, a, 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 a what is that called? A, a pickup waiver wire? Uh, I don't know. I'm spacing the name of it. Uh, if it's a, an order that changes as you make pickups or not. Um, know your league. Know the rules. Um, so I think that's the one. 
uh, main component there. If you have anything to say on, on that stag party, uh, chime in now. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just, just sort of looking at it, uh, I think you were looking for rolling waiver wire. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Uh, but besides that... The heat sets in. <laughs> brain melted, just like uh, Mo probably had his face melted last week at Fish. Uh, <laughs> but, but sort of going back in all these different crazy rule sets, you have to know your rule sets. So if you get bonuses at 100 yards or 300 yards passing, you have to know which quarterbacks are better for that. So, for example, I'm high on Marcus Mariota. I'm high on Tyrod Taylor. But my home league has 300-yard passing bonuses. You know, quarterbacks aren't as likely to get that 100-yard rushing bonus. So it almost devalues, you know, the guys who run and who can get points in a multitude of different ways from the quarterback position rather than just the pure traditional pocket passers who are going to pick up, you know, more yards just using their arm. Um, that that's one of those. And then long distance leagues, it doesn't have make sense to have these guys that are just dominant in the red zone as much as the guys who could take it to the house from anywhere on the field. There are so many different rule sets and you have to know those rule sets and then use them to your advantage when drafting. Absolutely. And I think, um, so that's, you know, the one aspect of know your league, which is super important. Read the rules, know them like the back of your hand, make you're studying from there, from a uh, a, a, a point on the of, of complete knowledge of what you're what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to fill from your draft. I think that's important. But I also think know your league is like know the individual competition within your league. Know some of the trends and some of the habits and some of the things that you know. Whether you've been most of us have been in a league with the same people or family members for a long time, so you can go back and you can look at tendencies and things that these guys tend to know. Hopefully you get to watch the games and you're talking a lot over uh, of smack, whether it's over the phone, text, you're together watching games, what have you, and you kind of get a sense. People have known since day one. I mean, I'm a, I was a Jerry Rice freak. People would go and pick Jerry Rice before me just because it would make me cry. Uh, that goes back into the 90s. Like People totally just knew I was a wide receiver guy. All the way back then, when even when running backs, running backs are taken, and people know that about me. Know your league. Know the tendencies of other people because you might be in a spot between the five, six, seven um, slot where you're, where you're drafting, and you might need a tight end. But you can look, and there's only two guys in between you on on the uh, wraparound, and you might know, hey, well, these guys aren't really tight end people or something, or they already have a tight end. So just knowing your league in that sense. Um, and any sort of any sort of knowledge you can have about the players you're going against and the and the t- people you're uh, competing with is going to give you an advantage. A- a- another thing, and I'll let you kind of uh, talk this through, and then we can move on to the next point. Is know your commissioner. You know when you're going in and and you're making um, some bold trades, or know your league in the sense of how they veto and how they uh, like to let allow trades, or are they a, a tough bunch? Know what's going to happen on all levels. And even going into every new season, it's smart to kind of lay out new rules that might be good for for this year that you wish were in place last year. And in general, 
knowing your league and how to kind of present a new rule that someone is always going to be turned off. I've, my league, it, my oldest league, is, has the hardest time jumping on board with PPR. Just for some reason, they hate it. So we've had the hardest time getting PPR installed. But finally, last year we did with a real light. is like a, a half point PPR. So know your league and how you can sell things through. And I think just in general, the more you know about it and the know the people you're going against and the rules that your uh, fantasy football league has is just going to do nothing but give you an advantage. And also along with that, you know, after the draft's over, you could do things like know who the guys who are going to trade. Uh, guys won't trade. There's guys who will trade early. There's guys who will trade often. There's guys who will not trade you ever. There's guys who have things for guys, so you could use that against people. You could use that, you know, to your own sort of knowledge and, you know, to bump up your team later down the road. Uh, later down the road. And just knowing your league and the people in your league, that just can give you such an advantage. So usually I draft in a league with one of my best friends who's an avid pyro listener. So what I do is I always try to get as far away from him as possible in the draft. So he ended up one in the draft. I was two. I was like, he always just looks at my tier sheets and screws me every year. So I didn't care about the gain. I just wanted to get away from him. So I traded the second overall pick through the entire draft for the eighth overall pick. <laughs> and I just needed to do that for my own sanity during the draft to know that I can get some of my guys and, you know, have a chance to get them rather than being sniped at every corner. Um, you know, I, just, know that, I know how that feels as, as I might have uh, mentioned on this show, and it was actually pretty uh, pretty awesome. I had a phone call earlier in the week with Chub Chub McGrubb, who was in our Pyro League. Uh, him and then the fellow that actually ended up beating us in the championship uh, last season, um, he uh, – uh, what's, his, what's his Dan name? Nguyen. Yeah, Nguyen. Uh, he was the same exact way where, man, when you were in a Pyro League where all the guys have your draft kit – and every round they're stacked up against you and know what you want. I couldn't believe it. There was like literally every round I'd have eight guys I'd be ready to go with. And by the time it got back to me, all eight were gone. And I was just like, this is what it's like when people are inside your head. <laughs> Stop stealing my brain, as they like to say on Barstool. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just knowing everybody sort of and their tendencies and even – you know, them knowing your tendencies, you can use your own tendencies against people. Uh, you know, now that, you know, fantasy football has kind of changed, positions are sort of evening out across the board. You know, quarterback might be deeper than ever. Tight ends probably deeper than ever. Uh, all these sort of little things you can use to break your own tendencies and studying your own self and your own tendencies is a good way to sort of make changes and see and be dynamic and use, you know, what people think about you as a drafter against them. Well, let me use that as a segue to uh, a point that we have deeper down the list, but I'll just do it right now. And I think it's a, it's a valuable a skill that kind of falls into what you were just mentioning. And that's lay out some bullshit. You know, and when you're doing uh, at the draft and you're sitting there and leading up to it and, you know, you're talking to some of your mates in it, put some smoke and mirrors out there. Like Stag said, go against some of your uh, usual tendencies and moves. And I think um, whenever you're putting false indications out to your league mates and, and kind of messing with people's heads and saying, you know, even when you've got that one guy that you're at the beginning of the draft and they're at the end and he's like, well, I'm not going to affect it. I'm not going to take any of your guys. Start messing with them a little bit. If you tell 
tell them you're, you're thinking about a, a few guys that you love and you're thinking about an approach and just do the old um, spy hunter video game where you're throwing out some smoke uh, behind the car. You're throwing around some uh, some dye, some dye. Uh, there's some some tacks you're throwing around, maybe some oil slips. Uh, there's nothing wrong with some smoke and mirrors and laying out some BS. Um, and that's again, that's kind of the anti know your league, uh, changing it up, flipping the script. As you said, zig when the other person zags. My line is uh, walk when they run uh, and run when they walk. Uh, but do, use that to your advantage. Yeah, and just you can sort of do that anytime you want. Like it's like, oh, you know, you should. Why? Why is he still on the board? You know, you know, Arian Foster, man, he was just signed by Miami. Like this is gonna be huge value. Oh my god. I mean, and we haven't even talked about today's biggest news. Yeah, that's and, a perfect and, example where you're, if you don't even aren't even interested in the Josh Gordon or someone, it's someone in your league, talk to him like, oh, my God, I'm so psyched for the Browns now. Gordon's going to change that whole thing and start talking that up. And now all of a sudden, you, you know, it helps that we're kind of, you know, seen as gurus and experts and every people in our league know that we do this for full time. But when you start talking it up, now all of a sudden like, oh, wait, RG3, he's just got some value. And the whole team kind of rises up. Uh, so t- tell, tell them about the news, and I, I think that's a great point. I mean, so basically just Josh Gordon has been conditionally reinstated by the NFL, and conditionally reinstated sounds like one of the most redundant things I've ever heard because everybody who's reinstated is sort of done so conditionally, like making sure that they meet conditions of going to all the drug tests, and their drug tests are much more plentiful uh, than a normal NFL players, as well as attending, you know, mandatory substance abuse sort of programs set out by the team and by the NFL. So he's going to be back after the first four games. Uh, the question is now, are the Browns going to accept him back? Are they going to look for a deal to maybe move Josh Gordon? Because there's rumors of that as of today. And those things are just sort of interesting in their own right. Because, you know, the news came out about noon and the Browns didn't really even have a press release or a Twitter sort of uh, notification, Twitter update till about a half hour later. So I think they were sitting around like, ooh, should we be pushing this? And they had to get they had to get the go ahead from the top guys in social media uh, to be able to say, hey, Josh Gordon's back with us. So um, that that's going to be an interesting thing to see unfold and as well as his price because it's now just going to skyrocket because there's very few guys in the league now that have number one seasons underneath their belt um, for the wide receiver position. So Josh Gordon back after the first four games, and he's supposed to return uh, and play against the Patriots in week five, who should then also have Tom Brady back in the fold. Pretty, uh, pretty, Pretty uh, interesting stuff. You know, I think a lot of people in the uh, Scott Fishbowl and then we're doing this charity league now, people have been taking Josh Gordon and not super late either, taking chances on him in, you know, the, the 10 to 12 round range. Those people are excited if, uh, if the guy can stay away from Johnny Football and actually um, make it here to, uh, through that conditional stage and be back for week five. If the guy's ever suspended again, uh, for drugs, then he's a lost kid. He's a lost cause. But wishing him the best. Hopefully, hopefully he can um, he can rebound and, and and make it happen here. So, all right, let's go to the next point. And uh, this is a big point that you've been making since 
Yeah, I think pretty much this year, but in general, we, we I guess the last couple of years, but draft the best player available. Each round, sometimes we get tricky. I'm more of someone that likes to construct my first layer, you know, have I have my first uh starting core uh done before I get into too much of my bench, but at the same time, you've got to be smart enough to look on your draft on the draft board and even in a time of need or a position that you don't need, it's sometimes, usually, the best course of action is to draft the best player available. The highest value, the best ADP that you can get there, even if you get that guy, it's usually going it, it to, it sends waves through the rest of the league and for your team uh, as you go forward, especially in deeper flex, um, you know, super flex, multiplayer flex, multi, you know, a lot of wide receiver starts and all that kind of stuff. Best uh, player available is, a, is the way to go. Yeah, just with best player available. I mean, it's not saying that you can't take a running back over a wide receiver. It's just saying that when the chance comes around and you've got one and one and you're just like, oh, I've got to go running back here. That that's not necessarily the best strategy when there could be a wide receiver who fell through the cracks. Um, just forcing yourself into a position early just because you think you need it, that's not necessarily the best route to go. Um, e- even late in the draft when maybe you're choosing between, you know, a, a fifth wide receiver or, you know, potentially uh, your third running back and you've only, you decided to go a little wide receiver heavy. If if the value's still there at wide receiver, just keep keep stick to your guns, take the best guy available, use your tier sheet to your advantage, and you know, flex your muscle. Yeah, and I think we did that in in this charity league that we've been drafting. Um definitely over the last couple of days. You know, it's a it's a it's a best ball league. And we kind of went on a run un, unexpectedly just because the value and guys that we both coveted were still around. We went on kind of a uh, a, a four running back in about I think six round run, and we were not planning on that. Each each time we were evaluating between guys at other positions, but at the end of the day, we just found the best value to be in that running back position. Now, at a certain point, where we after we took just took Carlos Williams, we're like, all right, we got to stay away from running backs. One because you know you can only field so many of a certain position, but two, you don't want to don't be the idiot. Uh, and I'm not calling uh, the most handsome guy in any of our leagues an idiot, but remember last year, uh, Solid Nine, uh, Duncan Wolf, he, his running back situation in the Pyro Pro League was off the charts, but you could only play two running backs, and he wasn't making any trades, so the depth was there, and I remember we were trying to make all sorts of trades because he had stud guys too deep on his bench, but... That doesn't do you any good, so don't be that guy. And again, that's a hats off to your drafting and your prowess there, a solid nine. But at the same time, um, you know you left a lot of points on your bench where you could have moved some of that action. So just don't make that mistake. And I one think- of the things that comes back to knowing your league is knowing how they trade, how often they trade, or if trades are even allowed. Yeah, and knowing if a player on your team is a player that somebody's. Uh, would even consider trading for you know there's a lot of guys that I I, I don't want to touch so um, I think you know the best player available is important and I think we could segue into that something that you just sort of uh, alluded to stag party and that's don't go into any draft with a set draft approach you know I think 
in years past, we've, we've talked about this almost a couple times already on the show. In years past, you'd be like, okay, I'm starting. Houdini three years ago was like, I'm start. I always draft two running backs to start off. Now he's totally a wide receiver guy. So he's come around, uh, and that just shows how one the guard changes and, and 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 talent from year to year changes. As you said earlier in the show, stag party, tight ends are deeper than ever. Quarterbacks are deeper than ever. Um, so does that mean stay away from? I don't think so. I think that means get the best one, and you can still fill in another one. I said before I, I I made a championship season out of starting two tight ends last year. I'm not against that program whatsoever. In that draft, the best available player. Sometimes, if you can get three, even a third amazing tight end, uh, it's what it does to deplete the rest of the the league and to have that depth in case of injury or as a, a bargaining chip in a trade. I'm not scared of that, but don't go in any draft with a set approach. Be fluid. Things happen in the draft. Certain drafts. Tight, wide uh, QBs just aren't even thought about. They don't even happen until uh, people just stay away from them. And you're like, whoa, how is luck still around in the third round? Be the guy that's willing to pounce on that. But at the same time, don't be the guy that says, I'm drafting luck in the first round. I've got the ninth pick out of the 12-man league, and I just love luck and what he's going to do this year. He's going to be on my team. You know, Just be fluid with it. Just find out, Go with what's happening. Be adaptable to what's happening in the actual draft you are in. Yeah, I mean, and knowing your league comes down to that a little bit too. You know what guys are going to draft sometimes, and you know what guys they're going to avoid. And just being flexible allows you to go such a different different way during the draft. Because if you say, hey, I'm drafting with the 12th pick, I'm drafting a running back, and then Tier 1 guys are gone, and Tier 2 guys are gone, but there's still a tier one wide receiver sitting there and you're not open to drafting him. You're just doing your team a disservice and you're taking less points just because of your draft spot rather than, you know, going to a different position and, you know, not having that set mindset. I mean, you can make a plan to where, Hey, through the first three or four rounds, I want to have two wide receivers and two running backs. Great. But don't say round one running back, round two wide receiver, round three running back, round four wide receiver. I mean, and especially when you get deeper in the draft, that's sort of when the best player available comes into and you're taking all the guys that are better than potentially. You know, you're taking a second tight end when somebody's saying, oh, let's get the sixth running back that I'm not really a fan of who might never start a game. And, you know, using that to your advantage, when you know that guy doesn't have a tight end, you're going to be able to, you know, pluck his third running back off his roster. Uh, Just using all the sort of liquid approaches you can uh, just helps you be a better fantasy player in the end. Uh, Just helps you construct a better team. You know, you don't have to be set in your ways and you can be flexible and either start runs or maybe even, you know, jump in and on a run when you feel like it's something you must do. Yep. I, I agree. And I think one of the things that I used to do and used to really push and promote on this pyro podcast, you know, three, four years ago was the fact that I would, I would go in and do mock drafts and I would really would kind of, when I was studying leading up to a draft, hopefully I would know my draft slot, but if I didn't, I would kind of, you know, map out a few different scenarios and teams uh, of 
the you know the first five or six rounds of, of of players that I would like to get, not necessarily position, but hey, if I could construct a team and it looked something like this, and of course, a lot of the guys that you want to have, it's a perfect dream scenario. But between that, between kind of the planning ahead and visualizing some teams that you like, and then actually being in a draft, and another point we'll talk about in, in, in the next minute or two, mocking uh, and doing a lot of mock drafts, I think you can be, you can go in with a, not a set approach or a set draft style, but you can have kind of the, the end-all, be-all, the dream scenario on the team that you would love to construct while still being fluid and nimble in draft situation where great opportunities and ADP values present themselves and still it's the best of all worlds, you know? So just don't be, don't be bullheaded. Don't be set in your ways and don't try and uh, have drafted your team and know who it's going to be before the, uh, the clock even starts uh, on draft day. And um, I think the best things happen between all the points we've made so far, drafting the best player available, being fluid and getting that value when it's there and knowing kind of the kind of team you want to construct that uh, triumphant is, uh, it, it can be very, um, can be very successful on draft day. Yeah. And the best way to sort of go about doing that, you know, is I still think a tier sheet, um, no matter what, you know, if you're drafting a guy that's at the top of your tiers, as compared to a guy who's you know three tiers down at running back, you're doing yourself a service, and you're making a better team in the long run. It just allows you to see, you know, pretty simply how you can draft that best team. And you know, when you stick to it, you've researched it, you've done mocks with it to refine it. You know, it it just seems to work out best for me. It's it's just my one little little helper on draft day. You know, and I think tiers are a huge thing. And in all honesty, I've been working on my draft strategy piece. And there was so much that I had about written about tiers that I kind of just decided to pull it all out. And I'm going to do a tiers piece as well. We've done some videos in the past. Check it out. Uh, look for Dogmatic and D-Rex's tiers video. I think it's it's about time for us to update it. It's a couple years old, but it hasn't changed. It's still the same concept and, and same formula in general. It's just different players falling within the tier one and tier two. But tiers are, are, are just... The, they're, they're the best way to go in any draft. And just to give a quick primer, it's all your, it's, it's all the positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. I think it's smart uh, if you're in a certain league to put a rookie. Uh, you got to put kickers and, and defenses. You've got these guys listed and ranked, but then broken into tiers. Uh, no certain situation on how you set up your tiers, but you're basically the first guy in the first tier is who you think is the highest and the best. And if you see a drop off after a, a couple players, you set a second tier at that position. And however many tiers you've got to uh, go through to kind of give yourself these uh, these these uh, lines in the sand uh, and bracketing talent like my like scoring and uh, valued talent in your mind together. Tiers really allow you to do this. Now you're saying, okay, what's that different between a top 200 or just listing out rankings for each position? Really what it does is it helps you see where the fall off and, uh, and, and really where you kind of covet a guy and you look over and you're like, oh, geez, we're about to go into tier six over there. I need that position. 
um, you can really see that and visualize it. And also what it does, which I think is the most important, gives you a bird's eye view of every position, everything that's happening at once so that you can see you're not focused in on a position at a time like we were talking about. You're not focused on just looking at wide receivers. You're seeing every position unfold. And what you're doing is the names you've got listed. There's different ways to do it. You're either crossing out the ones that are taken, or if you do things on a digital on your computer, you know, you read those guys out, or Stag Party likes to just delete them out of that cell. Um, I like to do printouts and bring a printout sheet to my draft. I'm more of a tactile person. So as I'm, I'll bring a highlighter and I'll highlight the cell of the guys that I've drafted and really cleanly, you don't want the lines to start veering off into other cells, but really cleanly Xing out the guys that are taken. And I'm telling you, you'll see when you're Xing out guys that are way below uh, players that you have higher ranked higher in a given position above your tiers, things really present themselves and stand out to you. And you can see runs happening on positions and guys that are going that are 15 down lower than a player you covet, and you kind of recognize, you're like, okay, I've got two guys that I really covet here at the running back position, and if I don't take one of those in my next pick, then and those guys are gone by the next time I pick, I'm down in the dregs. I'm going to be really bummed out that I didn't have that value. So I think tiers just give so much, and um, we'll have plenty of pieces and a, and a new video showing um, more about tiers, and I'll let you talk about it a bit. But in our draft kit, give a little pyro promo, pick it up, 20 bucks. We just launched uh, version 5 this weekend. Great work, Stag Party, and the rest of the team. Uh, it's our best version yet. The thing is awesome. Uh, 20 bucks, you pick it up. You'll get the next uh, two versions that we'll release next month, and I think we'll release a, a, a quick one right before the draft uh you'll get those automatically so you get version five six and a uh kind of a a last minute version seven um and it's unbelievable and on one of the 22 tabs that we have in that uh, excel document is tiers and in those tiers i have my individual tiers for every position stags has his individual tiers houdini's has his individual tiers uh pyromaniac mo has his individual tiers and then what we do also is we do a collective tiers of all of our rankings that averages out the players and who we see. And that tier alone is just a badass because if you trust my opinion on wide receivers more than another guy, you might look at my tiers or if you think the stag party knows his stuff and he does uh, about fantasy football and you like his mindset, you're going to focus in and be like, you know what, I trust stag's tiers the most. And if you just think that kind of the well-roundedness of the average of all of our minds and all the different approaches we have, which are very different, you know, it's a, sometimes you'll see a guy that's 25 slots different from stags to me, uh, or, you know, and that's lower guys usually, but, uh, and, and the collective kind of rounds it out. And, uh, we've noticed last year, the best rankings based on the actual stats was our collective. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way to think about it. And also next to the collective is yours. So you can sort of take, you know, whatever sort of advice you like and sort of make your own. If you want to, you know, construct your own rankings, which is something we definitely advocate for, you know, take guys that you're higher on than maybe we are and you have your reasoning. We're all about teaching you to fish, as Pyromaniac Mo says, rather than giving you a fish. So, you know, we, we recommend that you make your own tiers. You know, you construct it the way you want it to be. And then, you know, some guys... We talk about this all the time. There's guys that aren't going to be on my tiers come draft day because I will not take them no matter the circumstance. Uh, I might exactly. I might 
I might not delete a guy completely out of my tears, but I just I just know that you know there comes a point to even if I draft this guy, it's the best value ever. Um, I'm still going to hate having him. I'm still going to hate slotting him in that starting roster in this week, and I'm going to hate whatever he does for my team, but more often than not, what he doesn't do for my team because I knew he sucked, a la Pierre Garçon. And that's a great great next segment. Tears, check him out. Um, We're releasing, I released Stag Parties. uh, Tears were released last week. Check them out. Those are older than the version that's in the draft kit. Uh, but we kind of give away, I put two versions of my tiers up. One of them is about a month old, so maybe I'll update mine on the site. But we give it away as, as free tiers and we show it to you. But that tab on the draft kit is ridiculous. Um, so check that out. And I think the next step, so check out that video. Check out if you have any questions about uh, tiers, let us know. But uh, this is something we've really been championing. And the last thing I'll say is, it's it's no knock on anyone in the industry. More so than ever, we're trying to embrace our contemporaries and our our, our 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 what we used to think was our competition. But really, this industry is a family. But when you see a lot of guys like Carabelle or no offense, even uh, Matt Harmon, and they're kind of doing their tears, I don't think they really get it because they just kind of put tears on one sheet and it's still a list, but you're tearing it. And it, Barry does the same thing. Tiers need to be on one sheet, every position. You need to see them all at once. It's not a list that you just put a tier number in between the rankings and it's a long-running list and wide receivers are on one page or maybe they run two pages and then you go to tight ends. That's not tiers. Tiers is bracketed so you see it all. It's not just a line in the sand uh, of rankings. You have to, and you guys can go to our tier sheet um, on the free pieces we have on the site, uh, mine and stag. the last one was Stag Parties, and you can download the Excel document and use our tiers as the base starting f- document to create your own, but use the pyro-style approach to tiers where it's all the positions vertically laid out on one sheet. Because otherwise, it's there's nothing. You're not doing anything other than putting a title on each grouping, uh, which is fun. And guys like Sports Guy have done great rankings over the years, uh, naming naming uh, naming things in interesting ways. But tiers, you need to see all the players on one sheet, crossing them off, and being able to see look left and right and see quarterback and tight end in one. One vision, one sighting, bird's eye view. So I just had to get that out there, yeah. not to knock on the rest of the industry, me, but when they do tears, it's just not, it's not tears. It's got to be on one sheet. Let me knock in there and say that tears can be so many different things. Like Stiff Kitty did his, his tears. I think those are the actual last ones on our site. Yeah. Um, he does symbols and he does, you know, things to help him remember during the draft. I you know I don't like that personally just because it there's a lot of things that get in my mind on draft day I just want it to be a name and that's the name I'm calling out you know to draft but hey if that helps you remember things on draft day you go for that uh and so tiers can be so many different things so say tier one is every player you consider drafting in the first round. So that means you might not have a single quarterback in Tier 1. It's not the way I do it, but it's the way some people do it. You know, 
and then tier two is the guys in the second round. Who, which, which guys do I value as second round picks? Which guys am I happy with getting in the second round? And then sort of you do that for all 16 rounds. Or, you know, you could do it sort of like we do it, which is just collections of talent. Um, we think these guys in tier one are the top talent at the position. There's not a giant gap in between them. Or some cases, hey, if there's not another guy in tier one, that means there is a significant gap between him and the competition. In the case of Rob Gronkowski and, say, maybe Jordan Reed and Greg Olson and Travis Kelsey uh, and from tier one and tier two. Uh that's just another way of doing it, and there's just so many different ways. I know Mo likes to use um, ADP in parentheses next to players' names. Um, you know, I'm always also, there's also um, the style which I don't like, which is how I think Houdini kind of was doing it when he was first going in. But he each tier is like a bracket of uh, however many guys there are in your league. So if you're in a ten man league, who are the first? Who are the first kind of ten bracket? You, you do it in ten player brackets, but again, that's I don't feel like that really gives you any sort of leg up. It's just it's just giving a title to a bracket of players. I like the deal and the in the, the the correlation I like to give and love it or don't. But if you buy a, an ounce of marijuana with the three of your buddies and you're divvying out uh, and you're, you just buy I, you're just handing and and and, chain, and, and separating that ounce amongst the three of you guys you pick the biggest nug that's your tier one guy you pick the smaller nugs that's your tier uh, seven guy and it's just think of it like big boulders and these are the studs these are the smaller guys but i liked what you said that big if there's a gap in talent between one guy and the next guy there should be a new tier created for that next guy and i, I completely agree that tiers can be anything and you can make them how you want and again, we advocate, as Stag said, create and make your own tiers. Don't go into a draft and just use our collective or use one of our individuals. Take what we've got, use it as pointers and use it as an insight, but make these tiers and make everything in general your own. I say we move on to the next thing, and I, I think it was mentioned a little bit in that last bracket, and that's going to be get the guys you love. Love your team. Don't. So many people are scared to draft and just like, oh, if I go for this guy right now, that's really going to be – I, I can wait. I can wait. And whatever, whenever we, we've done that as a, as a group with Pyro, whenever we're like, oh, he's going to come back around, that guy always gets taken. And we're always bummed out by that. And I think when, when I draft by myself in leagues and I hear someone, oh, you went way too early on that guy. And hell, I say that in drafts too. But as a person, when someone says that, I'm like, all right, we'll see. You know, all right. I didn't know you already knew this guy's final fantasy score for the upcoming season. If so, let me uh, let me see who's who won the championship uh, in our league and who who's the NFL Super Bowl um, champion as well. I, I didn't know that you were Nostradamus. Uh, just who knows? There ain't no right on this stuff. You don't know if you love a guy, grab him, make him your own, build and construct teams that you love, filled with players you want to watch. And I'm telling you, it's it, it brings so much more happiness and success to the season than um, than than just going by strict ADP or being scared to go a round or two early on a guy that you just really covet and want on your team. Just don't be scared. Take that chance. And if you live by the sword and die by the sword, when it, when it pays off, you're a genius. When it, um, you know, explodes in your face, 
at least you at least you took a chance on something and a lot of people in life can't say that so uh, don't be scared to take chances and that uh goes in life and that goes in fantasy football drafts get the guys you love make a team you love and don't be scared to jump on on a player that might be the ADP says he could go two rounds later but if you want him grab him yeah, I mean, there just comes a point, especially when you're tra- drafting towards the front or towards the back of drafts. You just have to take guys you want no matter what because they're probably not coming back to you. Uh, chances are I don't do that as much. I don't draft from the heart. I, you know, I'm a stats guy, so I built my tiers based on that. And then, yeah, there is a if I, I like a guy a little bit more, even though the stats say otherwise, you know, that's the way I'm going to lean. Um, but I use it more as the opposite end and don't draft a team you hate, uh, you know, cause I can construct a team that can win championships, but I, if I hate them, you know, it's just not going to help me make the right weekly calls, uh, manage the team, be on top of it every week. Um, all those sort of factors that go into in season management, uh, are so much harder when you have guys you hate on the roster. Yeah, and I agree with that. And one thing I, I should preface is that we were going to make this podcast include stuff kind of in season and uh, kind of just a whole primer. It was almost going to be like, you know, the, 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 the best ultimate fantasy football drafting and in season resource. But we're going to make that another show down the road, kind of in season moves, what you should be doing right after you draft um, in, in the beginning of the season. And uh, in that show, I'm sure we'll talk, reiterate a couple of these points and maybe some new ones from actual draft day. But we're going to be doing a podcast uh, between now and the end of August that really kind of caters and tells you, gives you pointers and, 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 and mind uh, drops and mind dumps of great kind of uh, a collection of ideas of things you can do to be a better fantasy football owner in season, week to week, day to day, all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many different routes you can go, but having a team you like as opposed to one you hate is going to help you just be so much more of a dedicated owner, and dedicated owners you know, usually do better in leagues. If you're a guy who just thinks you lost the draft, you know, and you know your team sucks and you're just looking at it like, ugh, you're, what are the chances you're going to win that championship? Not very good. Let's move on to the next point, and that's career year beware. Um, you know, in general, I think it explains itself. It's a piece that Houdini does. I'll let you talk about it for a minute. I don't got much to say on it. I think it's self-obvious. You know, it kind of goes into another point, and we'll just merge them together that I just realized. Don't draft the the uh, actually career year beware is a little different. So let's just talk about that. When you got a guy, you know, there's certain players that can finish one on a regular basis. There's uh, a transcendent uh, elite talent that. Uh, is just around at every position. Um, but when a guy comes off just epic numbers and does some things that he, his career that he hadn't done before or in general can't re – there's it would be very hard for him to recreate and redo and re-achieve um, these same stats uh, in 2016 that a, a said player or players achieved in 2015. Be wary of that. Don't. Don't buy. Don't always just buy on last year's stats. Career year beware. A lot of us have been burned. Think about the running back position in the first round over the last three, four, five years. Every first round um, going back for the last five years, you're going to get bit in the ass by a running back, whether it's injury or not. 
uh, career year beware has reared its ugly head on a number of players um, in the first round. Guys like Marshawn Lynch, crush players. Obviously, Jamal Charles got injured, so it's a little different. But um, you, you got This is real. So I'll let you speak to it. I mean, there's just so many things that go into career year beware. So the circumstances all line up for him to have a transcendent season that's not really in line with his career averages. You know, he's more than likely not going to repeat that. Uh, All the stars needed to align for him to have this perfect transcendent season, which he finished as, you know, QB one or, you know, running back four. Um, So... It's hard to pay up for that, but letting somebody else pay up for that is going to be good things for your roster. Basically, you're not drafting a team for last year's sats. I mean, if you do, they don't play last year's games. We're not counting numbers off of last year's games. That's not how fantasy football works. It's a forward-thinking game. Um, So you need to be able to look for guys that are going to have the career year rather than just coming off of it because it's so rare that they repeat. Yeah, I I agree. I think when you think about, let's say, last year, uh, it was was easy for you heading into last year's draft, let's say, at the – at the wide receiver position. You look at a guy like Randall Cobb, okay, had a huge season, finished 2014 season of wide receiver. He was the sixth. Uh, overall wide receiver that year, 1,200 yards, 12 TDs, you know, just about around 200 fantasy points. It was easy to just go and be like, oh, Randall Cobb going into last year. That's my guy. And a lot of people did that. Want to know what wasn't easy to do? Want to know what wasn't easy to do was good to, to take a chance and, you know, and say and have some foresight and be like, you want to know what? Cobb, even, even knowing the injury to Jordy or not, even if Jordy played last year, and you can look into that situation like, you want to know what I want to do instead of just relying on Cobb doing it again? Is I'm going to look and I'm actually going to go uh, and I'm going to take a chance on Allen Robinson. I'm going to, I think that that guy going into his sophomore season is in the perfect opportunity. I think he's going to take that next step and he's just going to explode. That's what I did. I had Allen Robinson higher than Cobb in all my tiers last year. They were like, you're nuts, you're nuts, you're nuts. That's the foresight. I didn't necessarily think Cobb was going to be as crappy as he was, but and I didn't necessarily think Allen Robinson was going to be as dominant as he was, uh, but you've got to have that type of mindset where don't draft based on last year's stats. Don't just go to FF Today or whatever site you use for your stats. Look at wide receiver 2015 stats and be like, all right, this, this is my order. If you do that, um, God, you're going to have you're, – you're going to – you're gonna have some bad calls. Hey, hat. You gotta you gotta take some chances. You gotta have some foresight. You've gotta project into the future and and figure how players are gonna progress from uh, one year to the next. And as we know, especially with some of these younger guys in those first two three years, uh, really really kind of they they're making jumps and jumps and becoming better and better, uh, significantly better players and scoring significantly more fantasy football points. I mean, just along lines with that, circumstances change in the NFL every single season. They almost change every week. And you have to play all those sort of circumstances to your advantage. 
pay attention to off-season news and just use those circumstances, things that have changed to your advantage. So when a team, when a when a player changes teams, you know that you you know the repercussions on other players on that teams, guys coming back from injury. You know how that's going to affect guys. You know, a quarterback retiring, an offensive line losing two of three, two of five starters. Um, all those things are going to affect the landscape in fantasy football and, you know, football in general. So you have to make sure to sort of play all those things that you know in, in your hand to your advantage. Totally cool. Um, awesome stuff. Well, uh, let's go on to. The next piece, and just so you guys know, you can look at a piece that was posted probably around four or five weeks ago now uh, by Houdini. He did do his 2015 career year uh, beware piece. So check out pyromaniac.com, and you can scroll down, you know, back to uh, stories from the previous month or do a search on career year beware 2015. And uh, you can look at guys that were awesome last year that we've kind of pegged that said, hey, it doesn't mean they're not going to be great this year. It doesn't mean they couldn't totally recreate all the magic. Guys like Antonio Brown, guys like Julio, they're they're, going to be able to do it. But there's other guys like Doug Baldwin's of the world um, that actually I think he's the cover graphic for that one that, you know, just be be weary. Buyer beware. Career year beware is important. It's real. So check out that and uh, let's move on to – uh, the next one, and that's um, something that you've been driving home, and I've been uh, loving it, and in drafts I've been doing it, and mocking, mocking I've been really taking advantage of it, and I think it's one of the best ways to find uh, some true ADP values, and you're kind of, uh, you know, you're taking the other side of the bet, but bet on the other side of a committee, okay? So we know that running back position and some wide receiver positions, a lot of talent, a lot of guys getting a lot of uh, action. Um, certain running backs have communities, as uh, Pyromaniac Moe's coined, where you've literally got four or three guys that are at this point, point in the, in the, in the uh, offseason. You really don't know who, who the man is. And even if the man is the man, he's not going to be a bell cow. He's going to be really sharing with a lot of people. Don't be scared to take Charles Sims this year and let – uh, a Doug Martin pass by. We're still high on Doug Martin. I think in one league we draft, I think in the charity league, did we get, no, I think we just got Doug Martin. Maybe we got both and Scott fish, but we, 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 we love both those guys. Cause they've got a great strength of schedule. The easiest for the running back, but don't you think that the person that drafts Doug Martin in the early second round, or if, if you go super high late first round, has a lot more opportunity to have that pick be a bust considering he's really only had one, one and a quarter good seasons through his first four seasons in the NFL than a Charles Sims, who's still going pretty high, surprisingly. Uh, but getting him in the, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine round, don't you think that you're probably going to get burned a bit more on Doug than you are on Sims? So uh, I'll let you talk a little bit about um, taking the other side of a committee. So with the committee, there's two different ways to look at it. I don't think Charles Sims and Doug Martin falls into an exact committee because it's more of Doug Martin is the lead ball carrier for this football team. And, you know, Charles Sims is the third down back who's going to get some change of pace carries. When I say bet on the other side of the committee, remember two seasons ago when no Sean Marino was signed to the Miami Dolphins. 
and the incumbent, you know, young player was Lamar Miller. Uh, Moreno was coming off a season in which he was a top five scorer with Peyton Manning. Uh, at quarterback in Denver, he he got signed over to Miami. Everybody expected him to be the starter. And then as time got on, he got a little bit injured during training camp until it turned out to, you know, everybody's saying, hey, this is going to be a 60, uh, 60 to 70 percent. No, Sean Moreno, 30 percent, uh, maybe 40 percent for Lamar Miller. So when you're looking at guys that are splitting, taking the other guy who less people are expecting, who has an ADP of four or five rounds later, that's when you have a chance for value. Uh, when it comes to early round picks, the thing with early round picks is you can hit on them, you can miss on them, or they could be meh. But if your second round pick is meh, then you feel so slighted by it that the, of those three propositions, only one is a winning proposition of him, you know, sort of exceeding that value. But when you're drafting later in the rounds, when you know you're comparing fifth round running backs to Hey, it's, you know, this hasn't been said yet, but hey, Matt Jones is going to get 60% of the work. Keith Marshall is going to get 40% of the work. Uh, and, you know, Thompson's going to come in as the passing down back. So, you know, sometimes what you do is you don't necessarily draft him as a handcuff. You're just betting on the other side of that committee that, hey, maybe something happens with Matt Jones. Uh, Injury-wise, maybe his performance declines, or maybe just Keith Marshall steps into the NFL and just tears it up. There, This happens every year, and you just bet on the other guy when you didn't get that, you know, sort of transcendent player that everybody's, you know, the sleeper of the year that everybody's sort of on top of. You're just taking a chance on the other guy with much, much less money playing the odds. Guys, we did that with last year. Deion Lewis. Remember, we we got some buzz about him in the in, from the uh, training and and uh, in, in, in the preseason. We bet that we bet that that guy was going to come in and make a difference. He did. Uh, Danny Woodhead. Every year that he's healthy, he's <clears throat> it's changed a little bit this year, especially for PPR people. But he's Danny Woodhead's definitely one of those dudes. David Johnson was a great example of that last year. So totally, totally happens every year. Yeah, and you could just use it in so many different ways to your advantage. Uh, and sort of just looking ahead to this year, there there's a ton of, you know, committees are more prevalent than ever. And while some people are spending tons of draft capital on these guys who right now look like the heads of these so-called communities or ki- committees, however many players may involved, there's just a ton of value to be had by going the other way. And sort of looking at different players when everybody's on top of, you know, maybe maybe Thomas Rawls looking that way, or Latavius Murray. Everybody's on him as the head of a head of a team to where he's going to be the guy. Um, Ryan Matthews, the perennially injured, you know, um, maybe now a little less so with Jay Ajay. Um, and you know Matt Forte, you know maybe. Maybe you should bet on Bilal Powell and Kiri Robinson here and there. And then there's the Jeremy Langfords of the world. These are all guys that are, you know, today they look like the starting running back on this team. But come week four, nobody knows for sure. 
We don't know what their performance on the field is going to be like for those first four weeks. We don't know if they're going to be awesome or if they're going to struggle mightily. And betting on that second guy in that committee with less less ADP value and less uh, you know draft capital spent on them, they they could provide a good ADP boost and you know potentially be starters for your team when you drafted them as back end sort of flyers. Last year, Eddie Lacy was uh, the number one pick overall in, I think, two of my three leagues. Number one overall. Thought it was a terrible pick then. Uh, Just wasn't high on him last year. But last year, Eddie Lacy finished 25th at the running back position. Guess who finished 24th? Yeah, that'd be James Starks. James Starks. So the ADP for good good old Lacy, Chubbs, was number one overall. And Starks probably went undrafted in a lot of smaller leagues or not very many round leagues, and uh, he finished one ahead of him. So that's just kind of the exact crucial uh, talking about that uh, taking the other side. I still like I still like Starks a bit more uh, in that kind of committee, even this year, uh, even though I think Lacey will have a bounce back year. All right, let's move on. Mock drafting is crucial. We talked about it. Let's just kind of uh, cover this one big. Mock, mock, and mock some more. Go to, uh, you know, what What are some of the tools you use for mocking? Draft calculator. Who's opened up? Uh, who are some of the other great sites that you like to use for your mocking? Well, there's a lot of different sort of various sites I use, but I use Fantasy Pros, Fantasy Draft Wizard when I've got like five minutes just to run through different things, you know, real quick, see what sort of pops up, uh, and it sort of moves with news. So last week, do you, you know, can I ask you a question? Do mm-hmm. you remove yourself as an expert from? Fuck no. <laughs> I double click myself. Doing, yeah, you're, you basically go against yourself, and you're like, yeah. "All right, I'm going to be this other guy that." Listen, you- listen, listen here, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so sort of going along with that, I use fantasy pros, mock draft wizard, but I think it's very, very important that if you do online drafts with your buddies or however you do it with your family, if you're using that online draft tool for any of the major sites, you mock draft there, um, as much as possible. So if you're a Yahoo league, you mock draft on Yahoo just because, what shows up in the queue is their positional rankings mixed with ADP, depending on how it is, uh, depending on the site and depending on which filter you sort of select. Um, but you're seeing, you're seeing what your competition is going to actually be seeing. And that's a point that we'll talk about later where don't be the guy that uses the ADP from the draft site that you're working on. But I totally agree with what you're saying on if you're, if you're, the site that you park your league on and you do your drafts on has a mock draft, use that mock draft for that league. Uh, one thing we do know, junkies like ourselves, I think Yahoo and ESPN, they don't start allowing you to mock again till like within the last few weeks, right? I mean, yeah, last last month or so, last mock, month mocks, or so, mocks have been open up for Yahoo, ESPN, but, and I believe CBS, but uh, but like 
February, March, and uh, you know April when you're trying to get your mocking on, and we're we're advocating that we're saying you should be doing it that early, sharpening your knife, figuring out, seeing the trends, seeing what people are thinking based on uh, even that early in the uh, in the in the off season and preseason for the next uh, upcoming season. Uh, do it. So th- there's a lot of tools out there that that are that are year round like fantasy pros like nfl draft calculator my fantasy league my fantasy league does a great one um so make sure you do that i don't think we need to talk much more about that mock drafting if you're listening let me just expand on why why you do it on that home site so not only because you get to see their ranks and what your competition will see but also you know you got to get familiar with the tool. So when it comes down to it and you have 30 seconds to draft, a minute to draft, and, you know, if you don't know if there's a buzzer in your ear and you're looking at another, uh, you're looking at another screen on your window and you don't hear a buzz and then you get an auto pick, you're going to be pissed. So knowing all that stuff ahead of time. and Know your league, baby. Knowing, like, hey, it's going to buzz me. My screen's going to shake. Um, knowing how to star players that you want to look after for later in the queue, you know, all those sort of little things that you don't think about, but you don't have time to know in 30 seconds is, you know, huge. And yeah, it really does help to see what your competition's going to see. You, you might have your own set of rankings set up, but there's some people in your league that won't. And, you know, just going, allowing people to see, Sort of, you know, Yahoo has David Johnson as the number one ranked running back. So, in Yahoo leagues, his ADP is in the top three. When compared to, say, maybe ESPN, his ADP is at the end of the round. And just looking at how that can affect sort of if you've got the eighth pick and you think you can get David Johnson, maybe not on Yahoo leagues, bro. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh it was it was great in the Scott Fishbowl 480 to uh, we got David Johnson what 17th pick or 16th? Yep, 17. Uh, and that was beautiful because we were looking at the ADP of him and other leagues on that, and it was seventh, I think. Uh, so yeah, no, that that's really smart. And I think again with mock drafting, last things I'll say here is muscle memory. The more you mock mock draft, the more you feel fluid and comfortable in a drafting situation. Uh, I loved your point about how that draft board and draft room works and getting to know that so you can know your league and not feel like you're a, a fish out of water i actually we used a new site that i had never done for the pyro pro league last year flea flick or whatever and in all honesty i never used it before so i get there to the draft 10 minutes before sign in and i'm like holy crap where is everything what's what this is I'm, this is unfamiliar territory. It's like speaking a language, everyone's speaking a language that you don't know. And I, I just realized and a lot of things happened in that draft, but I just realized like, oh my God, I am been preaching and not practicing what I'm preaching because I am, I got to learn the system in the next seven minutes. The draft was only a minute and 50 seconds or a minute and 30 seconds per pick. And the first three rounds, I was really just trying to get my, get my whereabouts being in this new system. And it's just crucial that, and that's why we're giving this show right now and, and leading up to drafting, know your situation, know the draft room you're working in, be tools of the trade and being a master of tools in the trade in any business 
is going to help you be better and more proficient. That carries over into fantasy football as well. Sorry if it sounds like I'm trying to give so many life lessons on this show, but in all honesty, in preparing for a draft, it's a lot like a lot of preparation of things in life and other verticals and other parallels. So I think in general, I think that's a great, great call. Here's a quote that I love uh, in regards to muscle memory and, and, and doing, you know, you guys got guys like Kobe Bryant that used to say, he would shoot something like uh, 400 to 500 free throws a day. And uh, he would sit there and he would, he would consider him and treat every free throw, that all 400 of those that he would do, he would treat them as if he was, it was game seven at the, in the fourth quarter of the championship game. That was the mindset he did. For every time he did his little dribble around the back, whatever his, his ritual was, he was thinking it was that game seven, most important free throw of the game. So what does that do? That puts you in the setting, in your mind, in your psyche. It muscle memory. It trains you to think, okay, I've been here before, so that when it is game seven of the championship, fourth quarter, under a minute to go, you got to sink these free throws to win a championship. You've been there before, whether it was in make-believe or real situation. This quote is from Odell Beckham Jr., and I love it, and it's, it's, it correlates perfectly to this. I envisioned myself making some, some kind of catch in the end zone, but I didn't know exactly what it was going to be. You have to, pick, you have, to have a picture of what you want to do before you can do it. I learned that from the Cardinals free safety, Tyron Matthau, the honey badger, giving uh, ODB uh, some life lessons. I knew that I was capable of it, but just seeing it, and the reaction to it, it was by far the craziest thing that has ever happened to me. And that is basically his response to the catch from uh, his rookie season, best catch anybody's ever seen. He had practiced one-handed catches beforehand, practiced with his friends, practicing these one-handed catches like a madman, putting himself in this situation so that when it actually comes down, it's not like, oh, i got to use my right hand to grab a catch with one hand and finger, two fingers. He's already done it so many times that he's prepared to do it, and that's what mock drafting is in my mind. No, and just going back to sort of knowing your league and sort of knowing the tools of your league, if you do sort of in-person drafts. You have to know sort of how the draft board's set up. Are you going to have just a board on the what do you a board on the wall, your different colors for each position? If so, great. You don't have to follow along with an Excel sheet. Um, but if there's nothing, if it's just sort of, hey, you know, I call out this guy's name and then there's nothing to go along with it, you got to know those tools as well to allow you to prepare because, hey, maybe then you do want to bring your computer and do an Excel sheet so that way you can see those positional runs and see what everybody else around you has on their team. And just knowing the tools that are actually going on draft day it can give you sort of a small advantage. Be a tool on draft day. Be a tool. <laughs> well, I know it's something I just, I just had some weird random thought, and then we'll move on to the next thing. You're like, well, you said boarding. What if – in the league you're in, the person who comes in last place at the next year's draft gets waterboarded. It sounds like 
<laughs> sounds a little excessive. No one's no one's gonna no one's gonna in a in a dynasty league or a, a, is gonna is gonna flop and try and uh, try and win the the best pick for the next year or whatever they call that in basketball. Uh, if you're getting waterboarded for and you're in last place, you're gonna you're gonna play to the the final minute of the final week. Uh, in in my newest league, my big money league, we actually make it so the last place there's a there's a toilet bowl game. The last place loser, so the person that finishes in last place, actually has to pay an extra five hundred dollars for the league. Um, nope. <laughs> yeah, just just in general this this year we went down when we went down to uh, Atlanta in May for that Shaky Knees festival. The loser paid the winner, wasn't me. Uh, paid for basically his whole trip. It was like just like trip. Let's go see a music festival, and the loser of the league is paying for it. So love that kind of action. It, it makes it crazy, and it makes it so you're not going to give up, and you're going to get everyone in your league is going to give a hundred percent the whole time. Couldn't agree anymore. I mean, just less uh, less aggressive uh, monetarily for uh, us young folk. There you go. I'm going to let you um, kind of run this next one. Uh, I'm not much. I'll, I'll close out on it. But um, streaming a quarterback, streaming a tight end, streaming defenses, um, streaming uh, you know any special teams. What's what's your what's your approach on draft day to saying? Uh, I'm willing to be a streamer. Just give me a little lowdown on. I know you're not an advocate of it or someone that pushes it nearly as much as a pyromaniac mo. But talk it through just so people can get a sense of uh, going into a draft with a mindset that streaming it could be a part of the mix. So me and Mo have the same exact thoughts on streaming. Basically, you go in to a draft and you're selecting a late later round version of uh, sort of what you're looking at. And you're looking for a late-round QB, late-round tight end, late-round defense, whatever it may be, late-round kicker, of course. Um, But the key is you're looking for a high-upside guy to try and hit on. You're not looking – you don't go into the draft saying, I'm streaming. You're looking to sort of hit a home run late in the draft and hit it out of the park. And you're trying to do that with – you know, very few, very little time on the clock, very little innings left in the game rather than do it early. Um, and then if you fail at, you know, getting a good quarterback, so instead of maybe getting Carson Palmer last season, maybe he went another way and, you know, you got, I don't know, Matt Ryan, even though he had a high. Okay, let's go Ryan Tano. So you drafted Ryan Tannehill, and he was disappointing. So then once you know you know you didn't hit on that pick, then you start making necessary arrangements in order to, uh, you know, fix that position. So maybe you'll play the matchups that week and see what comes out. Um, but first, before you go to play the matchups, you go on the waiver wire, you see if there's a viable starter still left, and you pick up the viable starter first. Streaming is sort of a last-case resort, but the key is you just don't want to spend high draft capital on basically a quarterback or a defense because you can get nearly as many points out of streaming. I um, 
I love I, I, I've been there where you just kind of go with the draft and you look and you're like, oh, geez, I missed out on the quarterbacks that I liked. So you wait out, you wait it out and, and, and you, you fall into that streaming zone. But I, I guess I'm a little more um, careful and anal and I've been in drafts that 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 happens and I get really bummed out by a certain situation. So I am probably one of those guys that is going to probably take one of the top five quarterbacks in that situation um and i'm always in the same uh, accord for tight ends i'm usually one of the guys that's going to jump on one of the top two three tier tight end guys so i don't put myself in this position now at running back i'm a little more apt to say you know what if i stay away from these these top hot shots and the top tier guys at running back i can take a chance on a number and draft a number of guys that I think could have an opportunity. And that plus knowing that every year there are gems on the waiver wire that Rawls last year, Hightower last year, to a small degree at the end, Gillisley last year, uh, other players that the, the G'Angelo Williams was a pickup in drafts last year. He ended up t- uh, fourth. Jesus Christ. Um, you know, every year, Darren McFadden, I guess he got drafted a little bit last year just because of his offensive line and the departure of Murray. But Sims, the, a lot of players are just every year, there's a lot of running backs that just pop up into the scene that are pickup and waiver wire guys. Um, I'm down with that streaming approach at that position just because of the high vol- uh, the, 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 the injury aspect to it. But while I get it and I, I respect that streaming QB tight end thing um, and defense to that regard, I'm willing to take a defense higher. I'm willing to I'm willing to just get my guys. Um, I kind of try and stay away from that issue. Now, if someone gets injured and or if a guy that I coveted ends up sucking bells, then you're in a streaming position. I just don't want to go in and say, I'm waiting on quarterback. I'm going to draft three quarterbacks that are in that um, 15 to 25 zone, and one of them's going to hit, and they're going to have a great year, and then I'm not going to have to worry about it. I got my quarterback. I'm just, that's not the way I go into this. I mean, it's it's sort of a different side of the coin. So while you think you could stream running back, I assume you mean running back too, because basically the reason you're more apt to stream QBs and tight ends is because in most leagues, you start just one of them. So that means... Among the league's 32 teams, you're only trying to get 12 starters out of a tight end and 12 starters out of a quarterback. So it it just the pickings on the waiver wire are a lot deeper than they are for running backs, where guys have five running backs on their roster. So hey, maybe every team has five in a 12-man league. That's 60 running backs already off. That's everybody's running back one and two. And then for wide receiver, maybe you want to stream your wide receiver three. And then that sort of gives that uh, um, background there. Um, it, you know, a lot more guys are off the table when people play just because of the numbers you have to start. So it's a lot easier to do it with quarterback and tight end uh, because even, even say, you know, you, you're going to stream that running back two position. You know, you're not guaranteed to have the worst team to get rolls. You're not guaranteed to have the most fab money to get rolls. You're not guaranteed to have the lowest weekly score to get rolls. There's no guarantee that you didn't waste your wa- waiver wire pickup last week. 
uh, and a guy who's not as good as Rawls. So a lot more people are always going to be going after that running back position. But the key is you're not necessarily streaming doesn't say, hey, I'm trying to throw this position in the draft. It's more of I'm literally trying to hit a, a home run with Carson Palmer in the 14th round uh, rather than spend, you know, an eighth round pick on Eli Manning or maybe even go higher. And I'm not willing to spend a sixth round pick on Matt Ryan or Ben Roethlisberger. No, I, I get it. You're you're used, you're actually spreading out uh, your net a little bit. It, it might it might be a it might be a bigger net, but it's in uh, deeper waters, so to speak. So um, no, I, I get it, and it's something that I, I'm going to keep an eye on more on Mo because I know he loves it. I know he loves he, he loves all that late round QB stuff with Zacharyson. He loves the new mod. He's so on top. He loves anything that all these smarty pants popular guys in our industry and their podcasts are doing. He's just, you even know it. Like <laughs> Mo's going to listen to this. He's going to hate me, but he's already got it. Just so it's known. Mo has a voodoo doll of D-Rex that uh, he uses every once in a while because I give him a hard time and he works very hard for our company, but I'm, I can be an asshole and nothing's good enough for D-Rex sometimes. But uh, in general, you know, Mo is so on top of all the concepts that are here and now and contemporary and, and, and righteous right now, as I know you are. And as a result, I am, but he's so on top of him that even when we're, when we're drafting for Scott fish and now the charity bowl uh, league before he left for his fish shows, then we were able to kind of get him out of the, we were only, we only had two uh, chefs in the kitchen, but he throws out like all of these concepts to us over text. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so funny where he'll be like, but hold on. We could be doing the two QB strategy or no run, no draft, no running back rule. And you're just like, oh my God, I feel like I'm talking to a podcast robot right now. Um, <laughs> he didn't make not, that joke. He was not happy. I know. He's like, I'm just trying to put some insight into our draft. Uh, he, I'm an asshole and he's, uh, he, he's, he, he Dra- he's, drafting with multiple cooks in the kitchen is the absolute worst thing ever. It, it's tough. I think me and you do a good job of it because we both listen to each other's thoughts and I can tell when you're, when you want someone and I'll give them to you and it's, and we know each other. And then at the same time, you can really tell when I want someone and you know, that player's not going to be around next time. So I feel like we've gotten much better at, at that. And over time, we just kind of through these drafts where we're in, I just can't fight with you on Kirk Cousins anymore. It's just, (laughs) I lost too much hair, even though I think I still have all of it. (laughs) Well, now you know why why I don't. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, let's, um, let's go. uh, I'll keep an eye on that whole streaming thing and see what happens. Here's the next uh, thing that it shouldn't be a game changer. Shouldn't be something that um, is too much of a weighted uh, scenario for you to consider. But as, as the draft goes on and as you're looking for your bench spots, you've got to be careful of it. Uh, pay attention to bye weeks. You know, don't let them run your draft, but be aware of them. Um, just know that, especially this year, like week eight and nine, week eight and nine are the biggest. In week eight and nine of the NFL this year, there are – Five and six teams in each of those weeks. So if you're drafting, uh, you know, 
let's put Tom Brady is your quarterback number one, and your quarterback number two is uh, Brock Osweiler uh, of the Texans. Those guys both have week nine. So you've got to be smart. And we've all made this mistake over the course of our fantasy careers where you're drafting a backup and you forget to look at the bye week they have. And then you realize the only reason why you drafted this guy was to, as a fill-in slot for when this other guy is on bye and you shit the bed because they're both on bye the same week. So pay attention to it. And in general, because we've got six teams in those, just – you can have a real hole. There's a lot of talented teams. The Steelers, Giants, Dolphins, uh, eh, Ravens, 49ers, they're all on by week eight. Between the Giants, Steelers, and Dolphins, you could be depleted at, uh, at the wide receiver position, the quarterback position. And then that week nine, Cardinals, Bengals, Texans, Patriots, Redskins, and even the Bears. All those teams are out week nine. Imagine if you have Alshon Jeffrey, uh, you've got uh, Edelman, uh, and you've got uh, uh, John Brown. Yeah, John Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. Those are your wide receivers. And you didn't even really pay attention to the bye weeks, and all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, whoever plays me that week is going to destroy me, at least at the wide receiver position. So just be smart about it. I mean, also what comes into that is – some people will just completely throw their bye week um, and try and stack players with you know the similar bye weeks uh, in order to maybe take you know an eight week sort of winning streak in, and you know you're not going to have to worry about bye weeks any other weeks because you stacked all these guys with week nine buys and you're just planning to throw that. But you know you can also just lose. Some games out in the outset, anyways, because you're not drafting the best available player. I mean, the only time I really pay attention to bye weeks is when it comes to if I decide to go backup quarterback or tight end, um, which is rare um, in most cases. That's the only time I really pay attention to bye weeks because it's best available player. I don't care what his bye week is. But yeah, you can get into some bad stuff, you know, if you just don't pay attention. If you want to throw it, it's not a strategy I'll sort of advocate for. Yeah, I, if you go into any week or any strategy saying I'm going to throw one week, I think you're, um, I, I think you're that you're making a mistake. So nothing too big, but just check out the bye weeks. Know what you're up against. Um, in our draft kit, uh, we have you know the bye weeks is the second tab. Uh, we have it on our uh, player rankings tabs. It shows the bye week. Um, you know, if you want to put in your tiers uh, a column next to the tier on when their bye week is to just help you give that added um, data and information, um, so be it. That, 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 that could help you so you don't make this mistake. But just it's not something that should drive your, your whole scenario, but it also is something that to keep in mind just so you don't have a gaping hole. And another example of this in, as far as bye weeks is week 13 when we're doing uh, Scott Fishbowl and there's other leagues that are bigger leagues or like to have a longer playoffs. Week 13, the Cleveland Browns and Tennessee Titans, thank God it's those teams and not some of the more stacked powerhouse teams, but those guys have a bye. So if, if your playoffs start in, in week 13 – Understand that when you're going to draft a DeMarco, when you're going to draft a, a, a Marcus Mariota, when you're going to draft a, a Gordon now after those four games he comes back, or a Duke Johnson, or a Corey Coleman, whatever. Just just understand that in week 13, 
two teams are out and play accordingly to that. Yeah, and sort of going along with that, there. I, I got nothing left on bye weeks. I lied. All right, cool. <laughs> All good. Um, let's go to the next one uh, on the list, and this is kind of um, something that I already already mentioned, but um, so we'll, we'll, we'll go and we'll go and quickly to it. But take risks, you know. Um, look at the future breakout, guys. Don't look at the past. We kind of already really mentioned this, so I think we can pass this one. We kind of we bundled it in. I think what I would say on the take risks. Um, and, and it goes into the next, we'll kind of bundle it with the next point, which is explosion factor, guys. If you're going to take risks, don't go for a home run every time. Don't be the risk taker that takes a risk in every single draft slot is boom or bust because um, that can really sinkhole on you and the, it can be a real, uh, it, it could be a real dread of a season. So um, I like risk taking. I like going early on guys I love. I like the idea of, of grabbing uh, Josh Gordon uh, a week ago in the Scott Fishbowl and hoping for the best. I liked grabbing Tom Brady the day before it was announced that his uh, four-game suspension was being upheld and we were going to miss him. I like taking chances to get what I want, but if you do that at every corner and you don't – pick some slow and steady guys you don't pick some some balancers some real consistent guys that their ceiling isn't nearly as high but their floor isn't nearly as low and they're kind of just going to be able to balance out a team of uh i I really like that approach too uh so take risks but while you're building a team you know while you're building that foundation don't 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 hit hit a home run every time uh i'll disagree with you somewhat there Okay. It sort of depends on your league style and know your league and know your league payouts. So if you have a team, if you're playing in sort of a best ball league where you only get paid for coming in first, take risks the entire draft. Um, slow and steady is not really going to help you score the most points on the season. Uh, things along those lines. You know, if you have a league that only pays out first place, or only plays out first place during the season and then plays out the first place finisher, hey, take even more risks then. But, you know, if you have a you know pretty typical league structure where maybe it pays out first, second, and third, so if you get to the playoffs, you have a pretty good chance of, you know, getting your money back, winning some money on top of that, then, yeah, you could take some slow and steady players. But I, I think knowing your league and payout structure there is something very important for how you construct your team when to swing for the fences and when to take maybe a guy who you know you might get some consistent five for fifty low end uh, you know games from. Huh, that's interesting. I, I yeah, I, I'm going to stick by what I'm doing, and I'm a, I'm a risk taker for sure. But I always like there's a few guys that I want to that I kind of pinpoint that I want on my team every year, and uh, it, it's just that balance that it's not saying that I I want I'm, I'm drafting crappy uh, low floor guys, but it's a guy that I know I know he's going to get me eight points a week instead of in let's say it's. Last season, an example would be Amare Cooper. Okay, I know I didn't. I thought he was gonna have a better season, but I didn't think he was ever gonna just be a dominator. But I thought every week he was gonna put some great points up, and then I would rather do that 
as opposed to going for, you know, who's uh, uh, Ted Ginn. And I know they're on different draft wavelengths, but a guy that's going to blow up some weeks and going to be crappy another. And that, that, that's a bad example. But I, I just want to make sure that if every guy I'm doing uh, at drafting or, or starting on a team is just could just be terrible, but could be awesome and have that huge explosion game, then uh, – I don't know. That hasn't worked out so great for me. So, amen. I think, again, the beautiful thing about this, there is no right or wrong. When me and Stags are disagreeing here on a, on, a, on a tactic or an approach for how we do this stuff, there is not a right. There is, you got to do you. You got to, you got to pick the, the approach that you want to do, go all in on that. And then at the end of the season, you're either hoisting the, uh, the belt. And if you're not, audit what happened. And uh, make the dials and tweak the dials and, and make the adjustments for the next season. And um, go for it. Be ballsy, but make it your own. It's, uh, it, it's, it's the only way to really be a fantasy football stud. Couldn't agree more. Explosion factor quickly. You know the deal. Um, you know, if you've got a guy on your team that can light it up in one individual game and win you that week almost on its own, uh, it's a great time. So when you're considering between a guy like a Mark Ingram, uh, a, a player, uh, you know, like uh, maybe I don't know who uh, who who else is a Forte. Uh, you know, when you're looking, I'm just focusing in on running backs. Let's go to the wide receiver position. When you're when you're thinking about, you know, in all honesty, I think DeAndre Hopkins had a couple uh, some nice big games, but he's more of a not an explosion. Fa- I've said this before, and you've 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 pointed out one game where he did explode but i in general if there's a if you want to grab a guy if you have the chance to grab a guy that's going to just absolutely explode during a week or hopefully five or a guy that's going to do some great stuff over the course of an entire season i'm always going to go for the explosion guy here look at some huge games last week drew Brees has that explosion factor seven td game 500 yards in that one I think in general he scored probably in whatever your league scoring system between 40 and 60 points that week. Mm-hmm. Probably you won in that same game. Manning had six. Uh, Eli Manning had six TDs and 350 yards. If you had him on your team, unless you were playing against Drew Brees, you might have won. Antonio Brown last year, uh, in, in, he had that 17 yard, a 284. Enorm uh, yards, a 17-catch, 284-yard game. That's going to pretty much drop a dote on your competition. David Johnson has that explosion factor. Did it last year a couple times, 187 yards, three TDs, and head receptions. Rawls did a 200-yard game. Cousins in the championship weeks last year, 15 and 16, dominated. Just dominated in those weeks. He had 18 in 15 and 16. This is why I love him so much, Dags. I know you're sick of it, but in 15 and 16 of last year, the guy had eight TDs and a rushing nine TDs with a rushing one. So he was a dominator. AJ Green every year has two games where he just goes ballistic. Uh, so when you're putting in these kind of guys that can go nutty in an individual week over a guy that can do it slow and steady. Um, it just really upticks that player even more. And those are the kind of things I'm considering when aligning my tiers. Yeah, I, I agree with you, except these guys are all like top tier guys. 
So I think the best example was, would be like you would always pretty much go Andrew Luck over Aaron Rodgers because of this. Yes. I mean, because we know, hey, if the Packers get up, they're going to switch to a run game and run out the clock and take the win, go back to Green Bay and eat cheese. I don't know what the fuck they do. But Lamar Miller last year, think about him. So he, was, he wasn't super high. I mean, he was a pretty higher pick, but he had that huge game. Baldwin during those uh, four or five weeks was off the charts. Um, I, I, I agree that the names – Mariota had that disgusting game. I think there's an element um, of – Later, um, you're right. You're right. You're right that uh, he, 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 most of these guys are the guys that are already at the very top. But if if later uh, or in the middle or when you're you think you're reaching for someone, if if it's between a couple of guys, take the guy that might just have a few discussing. Ted Ginn is an exact is an example of that. Like yeah. he's a guy late, late. He's like a late round guy, undrafted in a lot of leagues that. We got in the fishbowl. We're going to get him, I hope, in this charity league, which is a best ball league. He's going to really stink it up like 10 games. But at the same time, he's going to have, like he did last year, like two or three enormous games where he has like an 80-yard touchdown and it, he dominates. Like there, I like that element of surprise. I like that element of explosion factor. I feel the same way about uh, Doriel Green-Beckham. I think he's going to crap it a lot, but I think he's going to have a few huge games. I feel that way about Chris Conley. I think Chris Conley is going to not be a great start a lot, but there's going to be a few weeks where he's going to be the guy and he's going to put up some big numbers. So be willing to be willing to take that chance. And in, in, in my opinion, I like to focus on that guy in that situation that can do that more so than uh, another Nate Washington, another Doug Baldwin. Bad example here. Another in Quam Bolden. I mean, I think you, if you're looking at somewhere, look at like tier seven of running or wide receivers, and you see guys like Lockett, White, and then there's on the other side, Laquan Treadwell. And then, you know, Tavon Austin's a guy who could blow up. But then there's Willie Sneed and Marvin Jones. Hmm. You know, that's kind of the tier sort of area we're talking about where, yeah. hey, if you've got a bunch of guys who, you know, if you went safe at wide receiver early and you've got you know the good guys and then you want guys who can blow up this is a time to do it or if you went high upside guys early with you know lower floors maybe then you take the willie sneeds and the marvin jones of the world yep it's funny that's it's it's a good point and i love i love the first four guys you mentioned i know i know (laughs) (laughs) um all right cool so explosion factor Noted. Um, I said it earlier. Don't. Uh, this is just a quick point. Don't draft the 2014 NFL fantasy football pro team, pro bowl team. Don't be the guy that's just looking in the past. Don't be the guy that's drafting the oldest team. Don't be the guy that's looking and, and creating a team that everyone's like, God, your team would have been awesome three years ago. Have a little bit of foresight. Uh, don't just go by. Don't name be the New York Knicks. Is that what you're trying to say? Oh, yeah, people are comparing us. (laughs) D-Rose, he's he's literally – I'm so happy that he's not with the Chicago Bulls anymore just because of his interviews because he's he's so out of touch, and he always was, even when he was one of the best players in the league. His interviews were always so out of touch and just were like so selfish, so kind of like – 
does this guy know that there's microphones in front of him and that other people are like hanging on every word he says? So out of touch. I don't think he's a bad guy, but he's he's so happy that he's an out of touch person with the Knicks now. God, <laughs> he's a freak. Uh, all right, here's a, here's a good question. I think when we initially started talking about this um, in some of your previous draft uh, strategies from years before, you were all about taking defenses and kickers last. And I think in our discussions about the show, you said, you know what? I feel like my viewpoint has evolved a little bit on this. So tell us about that. As far as drafting kickers and drafting defenses, some of our pyro brothers and a lot of people in the industry are like, take them last, period. Just that's just the last two picks. Where are you? Where's your head at on that right now? Uh, so it sort of depends. It like now I do tier sheets for kickers and defenses. If I don't get a guy who's a top tier kicker defenses, then I'll still wait. Um, you know, basically if I don't feel like I'm going to get supreme value at another position earlier in the draft, uh, I might as well go kicker or defense where I know, you know, the amount that they're going to outscore their competition by, you know, on the season long front and on a weekly basis is greater than, you know, pretty much anybody else I could draft at that point. And this is getting late, and like, so it depends on league size. If it's a twelve-man, sixteen-round league, then I'm still going to be waiting till the double digits to do this. To maybe I'm not on the Adam Rank draft a kicker in the fifth round, and the now controversial uh, Archer draft strategy in which he <laughs> he leveraged the shit out of it statistically to do it and I, I was doing some day drinking of some Valverde's in Milwaukee this weekend uh you know catching the Cubs up there and I, I was reading this and I'm like so wait why why did you do this and I texted him because I, I just had to know um and he's like basically at that point the difference in positional scoring is greater for taking a Goskowski and you know the potential best defense uh, in the league rather than a wide receiver. And I'm like, okay, I get you. But now I feel like what you need to do is you need to take that where and then mix with what actually happens in real leagues and maybe take your defense in the eighth round and the kicker in the ninth round. Like, still use it to your advantage, but just later. So we'll I agree see, with that. We'll see I if agree. he could pull off a follow-up to that where he, he tries out a little different strategy, you know, waiting a little bit later, but still getting those top-tier talents. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if it comes a point where I don't like any of the picks on the board and there's still top-tier talents at other positions or at kicker and defense, I might pounce on a Steven Gaskowski, uh, you know, in the 10th round, in the 11th round, 12th round, whatever it may be. But if... You know, the top tier guy is gone. Then I'm going to wait until the last two rounds of the draft. The beautiful thing is you can still, even with that Goskowski or whoever, you, if you love Agano or whoever you love, you can still even wait. Uh, again, I guess I'm maybe a little different because most of the leagues I'm in are like 20, 22, 24 rounds. Uh, so if you're used to being in a 16, then, yeah, maybe that, 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 10, that 12 round is. But you can still wait to like – the fit, the mid teens to get him, and you're you're still jumping the gun on it, but you're you're maybe making a run on it. Here's what I'll say, and yeah, I love the Adam Rank. That article is interesting. He, that's craziness to take him in the fifth round, but Gostinkowski is 
pretty much locked, penned. Especially I like him even more so this year with the Brady missing those first four games. I could see that offense getting close enough, but not all the way more. Uh, so I feel like there's going to be more field goal attempts than usual. Um, and he, 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 he always has a good number of field goal attempts, but he, he usually scores a lot more points on the extra points. Uh, than most guys, like almost doubles a lot of these other kickers. I mean, uh, in theory, look, look at Robbie Gold last year versus him. He had twice as many extra points. I mean, when it comes to kickers, the most reliable stats are actually extra points. Uh, you can use the Vegas if you're doing DFS plays. Yep. What you do is you use the Vegas line and you look for the team with the highest expected win total or yep. a point total, and yep. that's how you can sort of pick a kicker. So you're picking kickers that are on teams that are going to score more points. So then, in theory, you're getting more points from your kicker. So that's that's a good thing to know for in season sort of DFS. But you could also do that for your season long leagues when you know sort of picking what kicker. You're better off picking a kicker on a better offense than you are a good kicker, you know, per se, on a mediocre offense. So all those people who are reaching to draft uh, Sebastian Janikowski all those years were playing the game wrong. Yep. Janikowski ended last year at 22nd, uh, just over 100 points. Let's look at Goskowski just quickly and we'll move on. He basically is locked to have about 150 points. We talk about, um, you know, uh, top positional weeks. We talk about top positional players. Talk about the finishing first overall and career year beware. There is no example of, of, of a player in fantasy football that is more consistent. He's been number one for the kicker position. He had 151-ish points last year, 2014. Not finished number one, 2013. Goskowski finished number one. Then you go to 12, finished number one. I think 11, finished number one. Okay, 11 was his rookie year, I think. He finished number three. But he had just almost as many points as the other guys. So when you've got a dude that's a top-tier player that you can get that late in your round, and he's basically he's penned in to be 150 points, I love that value. I love just knowing and not having to worry about that, even to the degree where you say you're willing to, on a bye week, you're willing to fudge it. I'm willing to start in that, not start a kicker in that bye week. I'm pretty sure that I didn't start a uh, kicker in bye week for Goskowski because in that, this year in my championship team, I'm actually pretty positive because we only, we only allow 10 pickups for the season. And I only drafted Goskowski in that league. So I did not have a kicker. The whatever Goskowski's bye week four. was this year, four. I did not have a kicker. And that's kind of one of those things where I'm willing to not have a kicker. I'm not willing to push a whole week. But Goskowski, and, and if you're reading industry people, do whatever you got to do. Listen to who you want. Do the team the way you want. But I'm telling you right now, it's you can sleep easy at night when you've got the best guy at a, a position that scores a lot of points. I mean, in all honesty, last year, what would you say, 150 points? Let's compare. He had more points than basically only the top 14 wide receiver. The only wide receiver that had more points than him. Actually, this is this is wrong. I'm in the wrong year. Hold on. Let me go. Let me go to the next year. Uh, the 
17th and above are the only guys. Jeremy Macklin, Jarvis Landry, Sammy Watkins, Hearns, Thomas, uh, Demarius Thomas, Cooks, Fitz, Decker, Calvin, Green, Baldwin, Hopkins, ODB, Allen, Marshall Jones, and Antonio Brown are the only wide receivers that had more points than Goskowski. The, the bottom of that, Emmanuel Sanders had less. Crabtree, less. Jordan Matthews, less. John Brown, Hilton, Austin, Cooper, Ted Ginn. You get, the, you get my point. Mm-hmm. Those wide receivers that are wide receiver twos had less points than Goskowski. And I'm telling you right now that Macklin went last year, what do you think, fourth, fifth, sixth, fourth, fifth round? And, yeah, I'll say fifth. And Goskowski uh, was going in 16th, <laughs> early. So I love – that's why I like doing – getting the that defense, I feel like, is a little more of a crapshoot. That's why a lot of people in the industry seem to like to go high on the defense. And I think it's know your league, know how the scoring works. And But I feel like that one kind of is hit or miss more so. Goskowski and a handful of others, Gano, and they're going to be at the top. Uh, they just are. And I, I like I like having that. I can wait on defense more than the kicker. Yeah, I mean, defenses are so sort of in flux year to year in terms of fantasy scoring because it really comes down to basically return touchdowns um, by the defense themselves and by the special teams units. And return touchdowns by special teams units are very much in flux because young players enter the league. That's usually when they're at their best at returning a la Tyler Lockett. I think the only team to be at the top five uh, defenses in each of the last four years is the Seattle Seahawks. And you know what also is amazing about that, too, is, and we talked about it on our last show uh, with our league show, which you should check out. Um, Houdini had made a great point. The teams that score more fantasy points for a defense and even this obviously even goes more so for in DF, uh, individual DF, IDP leagues, are sometimes the worst defenses because they're on the field more, so they have more opportunities to create action. And the, also the teams can score more because of the reason you said, the return yards. And it's not even it's, – sometimes it's interception return for touchdown. Remember the Eagles uh, three years ago? They had a shitty defense, but somehow they had like seven interceptions returned for a touchdown. So there's no like – there's no guaranteed saying, hey, we're the best defense in the league that translates to de- team defense fantasy football, and we're going to get the most points. Does it help the situation? For sure. But I think in fantasy in a lot of different ways, it, some of the shitty def- shitty teams, their defenses that might not be so shitty because the defense is terrible, maybe it's more so the offense is terrible. There's so many different variables there that I feel like uh, year to year, like you said, there's there, there, there's a lot can happen with, with, with defense. Yeah, let's hit the next point. Cool. Um, would you draft Rob Gronkowski in the first round? No. Unless it's tight end premium, of course, no your league. So if tight ends, therefore, score more points, say they're at full PPR and the rest of the league is at you know half PPR, it, he's a back end of the first rounder for me. But other than that, maybe middle of the second is the earliest I'd go on him. And I, do you even think, would you even like, I know you've mocked enough. You've had Gronkowski where you got him in the second round. Do you like the way you're able to build a team around that? The only way I do 
like having Gronkowski is if I wait extremely late at quarterback. So if I don't go for a quarterback until the you know 10th round or later, that so that way I can build up my depth at the other positions. Interesting. Uh, do you, what do you think the effect of Tom Brady missing those first four games on a Gronkowski's uh, fantasy point total, total in, in his season this year? Uh, zero. I don't think Gronk is any way affected by Jimmy Garoppolo potentially starting the first game, four games, because he's a matchup nightmare, and that's a matchup Jimmy G is going to go to. I think his targets could be higher in the first four games because that's a guy you know you to lean on because just he could yak it up all day. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm not a Gronk in the first rounder. I've mocked. I've done it. Uh, I've mocked on some of our podcast shows and given it a shot, and it just doesn't feel great to me. The position's caught up. Uh, obviously, Gronk is still, um, you know, I think he ended at about 30 points higher than the second-best guy, Barnage. Uh, you got, you're always going to have an Olsen uh, right in there. Reed now, I think, has got upside. I, I feel like if Reed plays all 16 games, a big if, if that happens, Jordan Reed will be the number one tight end this year. If he plays every game, I think Reed outscores Gronk. I do. Uh, I think it's more of a target thing. I think it's um, – uh, I, 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 I'd I, take I your know. bet on that if both players played 16 games, but it's not like they've both been, you know – True. You know, pictures of health, we'll call it. And the only reason why I li- really, really love Reed so much because they've got so much depth at other – at the wide receiver and the running back position. Where li- honestly – it's amazing what the Patriots do at year in year out, just because how awesome Brady is and, and and the scheme and everything. But Edelman's pretty sweet. A lot of white guys besides that. Uh, not saying Amendola or Hogan aren't that great, but a lot of whatever. Martellus Bennett, I like that signing. Uh, the running back situation, like Garrett Blunt, Darren Lewis. There's just like there's not that much talent to take the pressure off of Gronk. Where I'm, I agree, he's a matchup nightmare, but you can still double team him. Where on Jordan Reed, I don't know if you can double team him as easily with that that slew of talent they've got at receiving and running back. So maybe I'm just, I, I, you know, I'm high on Washington, so it, it, it'll all be fun to watch. But they, it just seems like they got a lot of great players there, um, and. I'm hoping that uh, Cousins can do it. So I'm not a Gronk in the first round. I'm not a Gronk in the second round. But as I said earlier in the show, I want to get either I I want to get a Reed, an Olsen, an Eifert, uh, Walker, a Kelsey, or an Ertz, uh, and the guy that I'm super high on this year that I'm feeling and I'm I'm sensing by how drafts and mocks are going so far. I'm going to be able to get him on all my teams. Fleener's my dude. I'm, yeah. all, I'm all in on the Fleener train. You can get him later. A lot of tight ends are already gone. And the ceiling for him, I feel the same way about Ertz, just he doesn't have the same quarterback situation. The ceiling for Fleener is remarkable. Yeah, if you want to read a good piece, uh, I retweeted today by Rich Rebar, um, just wrote a world sort of tight end blurbs. Interesting read, talks about most of those guys you just hit on. So give that a read, Newton. And, uh, I will the listeners cool awesome good stuff uh all right i think that's a lot of um the last thing i'll say is um your last couple picks of your draft uh, because i've already taken a defense and a kicker before i'm not waiting to those last uh, rounds um 
take a real super chance. Take like a guy that basically might be your first drop, but it's not a Nate Washington. It's not a friggin' Cecil Shorts. Darren Fells, a Cecil Shorts. It's not, you know, friggin' Colin, uh, you know, Gabbert. It's not Nick. Don't don't take a bland last pick. Make your Mr. Irrelevant or your last couple rounds. And again, this is better if you've got deeper benches, more draft picks, and more draft rounds. But pinpoint a guy that, in general, you just think that what if? What if with this guy? And, and a player like that for me this year in smaller rounds or whatever might be a Walford, but do be real risky. Take a real shot at, a, at, a, at, a, at an upside guy that no one else would even think of, and when you draft him, it, no one thinks of it. But in your mind, it might turn into something. I, I think that's important. And lastly, in keeper leagues, uh, we've talked about this before. We talked about it last on the last show. Houdini said that he's totally against it. But if an injury happens to a guy like Jordy Nelson um, and – You've got it, and you the, your rules allow you to. Um, Calvin Benjamin last year as well, two years ago. Um, who would have the guy been? Um, I, I'm spa- it was Calvin. I, I'm spacing who the player two years ago. But if a player gets injured and you can pick him, and he's available late in the draft, but he's injured for this year, but you're going to be able to use him as a keeper based on your draft pick for this year, take him. Jordy yeah. Nelson in a, in a league I was I'm in was in a that has 22 rounds. Went in the 17th round. We drafted after his injury. He was out for the season. Now that guy is Jordy Nelson as the 15th pick. Yeah. And I just want to talk about one thing for keeper leagues. Yep. Real quick. Okay. So there's – we had this long discussion on Twitter a couple days ago. If you are given the choice between drafting a very good value or keeping a very good value per se, say Jordan Reed in the 8th, or Big Ben in the 15th, or Julio Jones in the first round? Are you the guy who just takes the supreme talent every time, or do you take the value? I did not chime in there, but Jordan Reed was definitely my pick. Um, I chimed in and and just made it easy, just so it didn't seem like all the other discussions that you guys... But I'm not, and Julio's my favorite player in the league. I would not have done the Julio route. I, I could not... Like, basically... What is the optimal strategy of your keeping your first round pick for a first rounder when you have guys the optimal value is he returns value, right? Yeah. But he can never exceed value because he's a first round pick. Yeah. And then you're just giving that away, but you can get value out of Big Ben in the fifteenth round. Because the question was actually he said he traded away Jordan Reed in the middle of the season for the eighth round. So we technically could not keep him. So I would still go big. There was like four players in the eighth round in that one. So I felt like, to be honest, I thought all of those eighth rounders were the choice over over Julio. And if you get to keep two two and you love Julio, and like we talked earlier, love your team, get Julio and pick one of the other guys. Amen. You know, now you've got your foundation with the biggest stud. Like you said, it doesn't exceed your value of what you can do there, but you do automatically have, in my case, my favorite player in the league. So I might do a Julio in one of those eighth rounders, but that would just be because I love Julio so much and I watch football of all my players every week and I'm 
much more excited to watch games of Julio every week than I am saying, you know, no offense to Allen Robinson, but I'd rather watch the, the Falcons and Julio than the Jaguars and Allen Robinson. All right. I I just will always take the value, no yeah. matter what. Like, I I cannot lock myself into taking a first-round player just because his – I just can't. I, and I, there's no – there's Ripper was all in on his thing. I mean, I, basically, I wanted to say, all right, let's move on at one point. I was like, <laughs> I, the thing was hitting up my cell phone every time. I was like, guys, <laughs> you all right? Um, yep. Get, getting yeah. a little steamy. It is steamy. We're gonna we're gonna close out with a quick quick little hot, uh, hot shot here. Of um, we, we've got enough of our points on the uh, on, on draft for right now. Um, Let's just save yeah. these for the uh, next show. I think these these will all fit in well with that next show. Okay, fair enough. Stag parties, stag parties gonna pass out. I'm gonna pass out. The truth is, and I hope we've uh, we've we've made this clear here. There ain't no right to what you're going to do or what you're not going to do. Um, just make it your own. Live up to it. Own your own your your approach. Work hard. Be the guy that's that's working hard, and um, your fantasy team will 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 give you as much as it possibly can. Whereas if you're cramming at the end of it and you're not feeling comfortable with drafting and it's the first time you've been drafting when you're on the actual clock for your league or you're spending a couple hundred bucks entry fee, how is that going to be better than if you've already felt like you've been working on this and doing those Kobe free throws that I mentioned or those ODBJ um, one-handed catches in the back of the end zone? Uh, just prepared it. Be a pyromaniac. You're listening to our two. This show is only going to be two uh, two hours, which is great. But you listen to our three hour shows. You listen to all of our content. You're following us in the off season. You're a, you're someone that prepares and works hard, and uh, that's what you got to do. Don't don't take anything for granted. Agreed. All right, stag party. Good show, buddy. Love hearing the uh, the knowledge and the fantasy goo out of you. Last thing I'll do, quick pyro promo. Go give us a review on iTunes. If you're not an iTunes person, we're on Spreaker. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. Uh, check us out there. Subscribe to us. Give us a review. Follow us. We, we, it helps our stature. Tell our tell people about our website to someone at work, someone at uh, in your family, someone that's not in your league. We get it. We understand how this is. You don't want to give your ace up the sleeve, and the people that have given you championships for uh, the last few years or really helped your fantasy prowess. We understand you don't want to tell your uh, league mates about that. Uh, but help us out. Help us help spread the pyro. Unlike uh, when it's arid out in the West Coast and you've got uh, fires uh, burning the hills, this is the kind of fire you want. More knowledgeable and more of a household name for more people that you know, and uh, we'll keep helping you guys on a weekly basis become better fantasy footballers. Uh, Stag Party, thanks for coming out. Monday, it's a happy Mondays. No music, no Valverdes, no... Uh, sound bites, but just fantasy football goo and dropping the knowledge, and no one's better at it than you. So I hope you guys all enjoyed uh, our draft, the art of draft show. Pyro, 
and Pyros, we love you. Out. Out.